Welcome to Poets and Writers. This is Henry McCarthy, WEHC 90.7, coming to you from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. And we got a show for you today. We have Mary Kay Kennedy on. She has a fascinating book out called Old Bones. So, Mary Kay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Nice to be here. As we like to ask on this show, where are you from? I was born in Tampa, Florida. And when I was one year old, my mom remarried, and we moved to Buchanan County, Virginia. Well, from Tampa to Buchanan County, Virginia, and as we like to say, we say Buchanan County. Is that correct, Mary Kay? That is correct, yes. If you say Buchanan, then people will know immediately you are not from there, and therefore you will be regarded with skepticism. Mary Kay, uh, now we like to also ask, do you remember the first thing you ever wrote? I do. I wrote a story about a little girl who had magical powers, and I used to sit in a cardboard box, and I would put a red satin sheet over myself, and I would sit by the window, and the little paper that I would write on would be pink from the sun coming through the red satin sheet. My goodness. And so you went to high school. Where'd you go to high school over there in Buchanan County? Whitewood High School. Whitewood High School. Then you went on to to school. Is that right? Went on? I did. I went to Virginia Intermont College Mm -hmm. and I went to Bluefield College as well. Absolutely. Knowing both, Virginia Intermont, fine school. And then over to Bluefield there, gosh, our director, actually our supreme director, Teresa Keller, I first met her over at Bluefield College when I was at Abingdon High School, and we were both directing plays over there for the high schools that we represented. So it is truly a small world. It is. So now we're going to talk about your books, and these, uh, the title of your book is Old Bones, Old Bones. Is that correct? It is. Um, it's actually the first in a sequel. This book, the first one, is entitled Old Bones, Old Bones, Rise and See. And the sequel, which will be coming out in about a month or so, is called Old Bones, Old Bones, Rise and Be Free. Mary Kay Kennedy, why did you write Old Bones, Old Bones? Well, when I was in seventh grade, my boyfriend was killed in a tragic car accident. And to deal with his loss, I used to imagine that he really didn't die. He actually went to another side of the veil where he could see me, but I couldn't see him. So everything I did, I tried to do to the best of my ability because I felt like he was watching and he was rooting for me and pulling for me. So I just got this idea in my mind that when the Bible says our, we we have no idea how wonderful heaven is going to be, I started thinking there's so many things that could be in between here and there, and we just have no idea of that. So I just created this as a way for me to be able to be closer to him when I was younger. And then a few years ago, when my daughter went to college, I was very lonely, and I just felt like I wanted to do something for myself. So to deal with her not being there, I pulled out this old book that I had started on, probably 20 years before, and I resurrected it. Well, talk a little bit about it. And you say this is a book for young people and old people. What is it, 10 to 100? or what, Yes, what age I said group? this book would be appropriate for um, readers ages 10 to 110. There's really no audience that this book would not be for. 
some of the ideas that are dealt with, such as life and death and those kinds of things, are handled in a way that it would be appropriate for people of different ages. Well, by golly, I think that's fantastic, and that leaves me out because I'm 111. But so, <laughs> Anyway, you folks out there around the valley, this is Henry McCarthy, WEHC 90.7, Poets and Writers, and we have Mary Kay Kennedy on talking about old bones, old bones. Mary Kay, talk a little bit about your main characters. Well, my main characters are a 10-year-old girl named Katie, who has two younger twin sisters named Casey and JC. And they are very rambunctious children. Um, they have a very charismatic minister named Preacher Tex, who is another really vivacious character in the book. And after Katie hears Preacher Tex talk about the Valley of Dry Bones in the book of Ezekiel, she is playing hide-and-go-seek with her sisters, and she finds an old bone. So remembering the sermon that she had heard about the Valley of Dry Bones, Katie decides that she's going to ask God to bring these bones back to life. So she holds the bones up in the wind, and she begins to chant. And she says, Old bones, old bones, rise and see. Old bones, old bones, rise and be free. And then things start happening. She feels wind coming from far away. She smells smells from far away. And then she gets struck by lightning. While she's passed out on the ground, her sisters run home fearing that she's dead. And when they come back, when she wakes up, she realizes that she has special powers. And she's not sure if these powers are coming from the old bone or because she's been struck by lightning. So the other main character in the book is named Tarragon. Tarragon is a 12-year-old boy who says he passed away 40 years before Katie met him. So he claims that he's been dead for 40 years, and they become friends. She thinks that she's going to help him make amends with someone he hurt during his lifetime, and that's why his spirit is unable to rest in peace. But actually, she finds out that her little sister is terminally ill, and Tarragon is the one that helps her understand the theme of the book, which is love is greater than death. Beautiful words there, Mary Kay Kennedy. Love is greater than death. And yes, you talk, talk some more about those main themes or those main concepts such as love that you have in your book. Well, part of the issue with writing a book is that you're, you have a story on the surface, but then there are undercurrents that you're really trying to get across. So an undercurrent that I'm trying to convey in this book is that we truly don't have the ability to imagine how wonderful heaven could be. And therefore, this is just one of those interpretations of things that could possibly happen. Another undercurrent is that we all must face death. And because we must all face death, it's very important to remember in the Bible, in 2 Samuel, it says... We will all die someday. We're like water spilled on the ground. No one can gather it back. But God doesn't take away life. Instead, he plans ways that those who have been sent away will not have to stay away from him. Beautiful concepts there, Mary Kay. Beautiful concepts. 
Why don't we go ahead and get you to read some from your book, Old Bones, Old Bones, and then we'll come back and talk some more about that. And we'll talk a little religion on the show today, okay? Does that sound okay, Mary Kay? That sounds good. Thank you. All right, go for it. All right, so this is a section beginning on page 61. And this is um, Katie, who's the 10-year-old main character, after she found the bone. She says, I looked at the world around me in awe. Everything was living and breathing around me. Everywhere I looked, there were wisps of expended energy, and it silently gathered to float into the atmosphere. It was as dense as an early morning fog. I looked up to the sky. Where was it going? Was it returning to God? Then I became aware of something moving in the woods behind the underbrush in the edge of the forest that lay beyond the clearing. It was a deer, a buck with antlers that were already growing big and strong. It was the kind of deer that hunters waited their entire lives for. It wasn't in rut. It was too early for that. His antlers were velvety soft, and he hadn't reached his peak yet. He was full of energy. I could see his life force glowing as bright across the clearing. As he leapt over a log, I noticed the dark decay of rot in the log below him. I stopped tracking the deer and zeroed in on the log. In the depths of the rotting log, I could see and smell the decay. Even from where I stood near Goliath in the clearing, I could see the wood-boring beetles, the termites, and the carpenter ants busily carving channels into the wood so they could make their way to the roots. That's where the nutrients were kept. It made me think of the marrow inside our bones. I looked at the bone in my hand, and I could see something happening deep inside it. Cells were regenerating and multiplying even as I held it in my hand. The bone was creating marrow from the energy in the wind. I could feel the process happening. The old bone was coming back to life. I could sense it. I held the bone up again, fascinated by the process of the reversal of decay. I knew what things looked like when they died, but now I was seeing what they looked like when they came back to life. The bone was beginning to generate heat, and I could see a spark, a glowing ember of life, beginning to take shape deep inside. I began to feel a little bit scared. I had asked God to bring the bones back to life, but I hadn't really believed he would. I had just been playing. Beautiful, beautiful words there, reading from her book, Mary Kay Kennedy, Old Bones, Old Bones, Rise and See. Mary Kay, you also are coming out with a sequel, and I want to go ahead and get you to talk a little bit about that. Uh, What's the follow-up to this? And Do you have a title for it yet? I do. The title is Old Bones, Old Bones, Rise and Be Free. So basically... Well, now that's interesting because mm -hmm. this is Old Bones, Old Bones, Rise and See. Yes. And the next one is rise and be free. And um, also, you know, we come on, this is the time of this show. We're on at 6 on Tuesday and then 1230 on Sunday. So I've had a number of listeners come on after church. So I'm going to get into a little religion with you here in a little while, but go ahead and answer my question about the sequel, okay? Okay. So the reason it's called Old Bones, Old Bones Rise and See for book one and Rise and Be Free for book two is because that is the chant that Katie says when she finds the bone. So at the end of this book, the first book, I have an epilogue. The epilogue is set 20 years later in 2004, and this is when the main character's daughter finds a bone 20 years later 
in the same place. So it's the continuation 20 years later, and there are a few surprises. Some of the old characters return and some new characters show up, and it's sort of, um, it sort of sets the, the pace for this to finish the book in a second series. Well, what comes to my mind is uh, Eastern religion and reincarnation. These folks are coming back, right? And are you, you understand what I'm saying about reincarnation? Yes. And this is a Christian fantasy or magical realism book. So this basically is not saying that there's any kind of reincarnation taking place, but it just gives us the idea that sometimes things could happen that we can't explain. There could be realms that are around us that we're not aware of. So it's really just broadening the imagination. It is not trying to create any new beliefs or even encourage any existing beliefs. It is really for entertainment purposes only. Well, okay, but this is so interesting. I was thinking about Mark Twain and some of his perspectives on religion. You you would would you consider yourself a religious person? I would. I would consider myself a Christian, and I have very strong beliefs in what happens during life, after death, but I also have a very wild imagination, and the entire time I was growing up, I would keep to myself. I would write stories and create games and do all these things, and my mom always said, Little Mary, I had an aunt named Mary, so I was referred to as Little Mary. She would say, Little Mary lives in her own world. You'll just have to let her be. That's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, I have a theory about creative folks, and of course, we're all creative in many different ways, but we're really talking on poets and writers about poets and writers, writers and artists and so forth, and have many, many listeners around the valley here, and of course, we're archived down at Chapel Hill. You can Google Henry McCarthy, Poets and Writers, and the shows will come up. Mary Kay, what do you think, who fostered, so your mother gave you this uh, freedom, would you would you say? She sure. gave you the freedom to go ahead and look at life a little differently. Who influenced you and gave you, you know, this freedom? Well, definitely my mom. I would say that she has been my biggest fan, and um I have a 22-year-old daughter who is um, an English professor at Radford University in the master's program right now. And so you always want to do things that um, will make them proud of you as well. Um, I think most people, when you realize that you're a writer, you already kind of know because you just enjoy doing it so much that it never feels like work. It always feels like fun. And to think that you can put your ideas out somewhere and someone else can see what you've translated from your mind into words is a very powerful medium. And, of course, you know, in the beginning, it tells us in the Bible that, you know, God created heaven and earth and and that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God. And so the Word has always been very powerful. So I, I would just like for people who are considering whether or not they should spend their time writing and doing those kinds of things that everyone has their own story. We are all a accumulation of all that we have lived and nobody has the ability to tell your story except you. So I would, I would encourage anyone who has a story to get it out. 
Mary Kay, that reminds me of a poem that I wrote and that I talk about probably too much on this show, and that's never read a how-to book. And, you know, among writers and creative, all people, I guess, there's this dialogue between how much, how important craft is and how important is the soul and the emotions in writing. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. And it is because it is your own personal journey. So it really kind of opens you up because unfortunately you are going to have criticism. You are going to have critics. You're going to have people who do not understand and who will just judge based on one line that's taken out of context. And so you kind of have to have a little bit of a thick skin. Don't expect people who are the closest to you to be your biggest fans either. (laughs) Sometimes that can be a disappointment as well. But you have to do what you feel like is right. When you get to the point that you have created this world in your book and you write every day, you're spending time with your friends. You're spending Mm -hmm. time with these characters that you've created. Mm -hmm. You're living with them. You're either a narrator for what's happening to them or you are a first person in the story who is telling you what is happening from their point of view. Well, I think those are real good words of advice. And, you know, Stephen King, among others, and Charles Bukowski says, you know, be careful of writers' workshops and so on. Definitely you can learn some things. I certainly could. I need to learn a lot more from those folks, but I think you have to beware of the critic. And, again, going deep inside your soul is is where I think we begin. Don't you think so? your story, the writer's story. And we all have a story out there. And as we like to say on Poets and Writers, we we write poems every day in our hearts, but we're often too afraid to share them. So Mary Kay Kennedy, and you did mention your daughter. I think that's very interesting. And I think also I wanted to talk at this point a um, little bit about your work and what you do. Could you talk a little bit about that? And then we'll come back and talk some more about your books, Old Bones, Old Bones. Rise and See, and then you have another one coming out called uh, Rise and Be Free, I think. So, mm-hmm. But talk a little bit about your work with children. Sure. Um, I have worked at Cumberland Mountain Community Services since May of 1995, and I've had the wonderful opportunity to work with school children. I go into schools in Tazewell County primarily and teach kids about the dangers of drugs and alcohol and tobacco And it's really been a rewarding job when you can go somewhere and do something that you feel like you're making a difference every day and you get to be around the most wonderful kids. And that's kind of why I chose this age group in my books, because I have so much experience working with third grade, fourth grade, sixth grade. So I kind of know the verbiage. I kind of know their points of view at that age. So those characters came to me very easily. I could hear their dialogue based on that. But mm-hmm. I'm going to interrupt you here. Sure. Give us some insights. You you have been doing this and working with children for a long time, and I know this is a simplistic question, but give us some in- insights that folks out there can use and apply in working with children and what you've learned. Well, what I've learned is to make sure that every child understands their value You can teach a child all of the skills that they need to solve a problem or to write a proper sentence, but until that child has enough value instilled in themselves, they're not going to believe in themselves. So that's something that we as an older generation must give to the youth of today is 
the ability for them to recognize their value and their strength that they have. Well, and this uh, combined, of course, we're talking about community. And, mm-hmm. and one of my concerns is that, you know, the community, we've lost so much of our community. Talk a little bit about, you know, whether it was the church and growing up there in Johnson City, I went to Calvary Presbyterian and and played ball in the park there. And, you know, that's, and we related a lot, but mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. Okay. As far as the community is concerned, I stay really active in coalitions and try to be involved in the community as well. And it's really important for people to understand that the responsibility comes not only individually, but as a community. When you work together toward a common goal, people have the value that they're a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And that's an intrinsic value that's hard to put a price tag on. When you have a community working together and they're able to accomplish something, then the pride that comes with that speaks for itself. I think that's very important. And, you know, Mary Kay, I'm back and forth. I'm up here in the mountains a good bit. Then I'm down in the Piedmont, and I see a lot of material values. I see a lot of emphasis on materialism. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I, I think I wonder where the parents are. And t- I know they're working and trying to earn a living, but what can parents do who have heavy workloads? And how can they still keep in touch with their children? Well, I think one of the most important things for parents to remember is even though you are working to provide materialistic things for your kids, if they want the latest iPhone or whatever their um, need may be at that moment or what they feel like they have to have in order to fit in, what we must remember to give them is the more um, personal things such as time. When you spend time with your children doing what they enjoy doing, then you develop a sort of rapport with them and they're able to come to you instead of finding someone else to go to if trouble arises. So spending time together. And I remember somebody saying um, that we are so busy giving our children everything that we never received that we forget to give them what we did, which was you know, the non-materialistic things of spending time together. Excellent insight on poets and writers today from Mary Kay Kennedy has book out called Old Bones, Old Bones. Mary Kay, I'm going to come back now to your two books. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about uh, the titles and so on, refresh our memory, and tell us where we can find a copy of these books. Sure. Well, um, I have a Facebook page called M.K. Kennedy, The Writer, And the books right now are available on Amazon and very shortly will be on Barnes & Noble as well. Um, It'll probably be June of 2021 before um, the sequel, Old Bones, Old Bones, Rise and Be Free, will be available on Barnes & Noble, but they will both be on there at any time. Um, I also offer autographed signed copies that people can contact me on my Facebook page and I'm happy to provide that to them. $3 for shipping. I'll send it anywhere in the United States. Well, I tell you, you'll want to run out and get a copy of her book, Old Bones, Old Bones. And we've just been having a fascinating time here on today on Poets and Writers. And Mary Kay, as uh, we begin to move on out of here today, but I did want to ask you some of your favorite writers. I like to ask that on the show. And and, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of my favorite writer, and that's the extent of it. But I, this religion aspect I'm just fascinated by, 
And I was going to mention Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a great theologian, and you folks know that. And also during, uh, he was killed by Hitler for his uh, beliefs and his uh, soul and tenacity. But, uh, you know, you've got Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you've got Gandhi and many other people. But, um, yeah, and, and I want to ask you now, you, you, I'm, you folks, Presbyterian, we're on a Methodist campus here, but I believe you, you now attend the Episcopalian Church. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Um, I attend the Episcopalian Church in Abingdon, Virginia. That's called mm-hmm. St. Thomas. And I have a very broad and various religious background. Um, I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness church, mm-hmm. and I had family members who attended um, the snake handling church in Jolo, West Virginia, this were these were not family members that lived with us, but distant relatives. Um, I have been a member of Baptist Church. I've attended Methodist churches. Um, I'm really non-discriminatory when it comes to that. I hear what you say, Mary mm-hmm. Kay. If you follow the Ten Commandments, and I'm not going to say which ones I've broken over the years, <laughs> but those are pretty good values there and there. And whatever reason to get children in church there, and you folks up on. Uh, Lincoln Avenue and Wilson Avenue there in Johnson City know of Calvary Presbyterian Church. And I remember um, I remember they gave me 50 cents to memorize the Ten Commandments. And, well, you know, I did it for that. But the good thing was I memorized them, and over the years I've tried to follow them as best I could. So, yes, we're talking about values as we wrap up the show today. Mary Kay Kennedy, thanks for being on the show today and talking about your books, that are that, your book that you have and another one coming up. Old Bones, Old Bones, Rise and See. And any closing comments, Mary Kay Kennedy? I do, actually. My fiancé, Scott Patterson, has been very supportive, and he has taken me to a lot of beautiful places so I could write this first book. And he believed so much in my ability to write that he purchased my first book from Amazon, and he recently bought a greenhouse and put it in the backyard, and that's where I write, I've turned it into kind of a writer's cabin. So I really appreciate all of his love and support. It makes a difference. Absolutely. Scott Patterson, we know him well around these mountains. And by golly, I think you guys really work well together. And so thank you so much. I would just like to say thank you for everything that you do every day, all of the interviews that you've done, the opportunities that you've given to poets and writers, and what you've contributed yourself. It's um It's very humbling for someone like me to be in your presence, and I really appreciate your time today. Well, I feel the same way about you, likewise, Mary Kay, and all the other writers who've educated me over the years. I've been doing this show 13 years, so thanks for listening out there, folks. And this is Henry McCarthy saying, do not wait up for me. Do not be afraid to stay or still away. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Thanks for listening. Well, I think it's fine. Building jumbo planes Or taking a ride On a cosmic train Switch on summer From a slot machine Just get what you want to if you want Is you can get anything I know we've come a long way We're changing day to day But 
tell me where do the children play Well you roll on roads over fresh green grass for your lorry loads and petrol gas and you make them long and you make them tough but they just go on and on and it seems that you can't get off oh, I know we've come a long way we're changing day to day but tell me, where do the children play? Hey, hey, hey.